Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Okay, so we're going to continue our series on the heroes of the Bible. Uh, last week, Bishop covered First uh, Samuel's chapters nine to fifteen. Don't ask me how he did that, but he did amazingly. Uh, but we learned a few things. One, that even though we don't have clear answers, right, to everything we go through, we do know that we have a covenant-keeping God that we can trust in, right? Just like uh, Samuel, Samuel um, was given instruction to go to a place and wait for the a king that the Lord was going to anoint and Saul. Now Saul was just obeying his father and they were searching for donkeys. Okay. Now they couldn't find them. So Saul saw some, someone along the way and he asked, excuse me, um, uh, do you know where the overseer is? He says, sure, he's right there. And he goes and he asks and he runs into Samuel, not knowing that the Lord already spoke to Samuel and told them to expect a man that will come and join him for a sacrifice. And that's how Saul became king of Israel. Um, and also that God sometimes gives us the desires of our heart, even though that's not what he really had in store for us. You see, when you reject God long enough, what happens is okay, he says, okay, is that, that's the way you want to go? He backs off, and you walk into harm's way. Then... Thank God for his mercy and his grace that there's always an opportunity to turn back to him. But we know that God eventually lets us go. He gives us free will. So we do. But remember, there are consequences to every choice that we make. The question is whether it be a positive or a negative one. Okay. So today we're covering 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 17. Um, not reading through... All the scriptures, I will be referencing them and also reading portions of them. Okay? Um, title of our message today is King David, part one. There will be three-part series. Next week, Pastor Joyce will be covering part two. And uh, so it's good, very exciting. Uh, it's a great story. Um, and David's one of my favorite characters, so it was exciting to prepare for this message. Um, okay. Um, before I go on, what if I told you, right, that there's a 2020 Chevy Tahoe, nice and black, spanking new in the front, and I told you, here are the keys, just quickly on your phone, transfer $5,000 to my account, is yours. How many will go for that? Look at the hands go up. My wife is like, cause that, I mentioned the Chevy Tahoe because that's a dream car. Still, it's only $65,000. But for $5,000 is a great deal, right? How about if you want a home, a house? Go to Shore Road and you see this beautiful house, beautiful brick, beautiful landscaping, new roof, new windows, right across the ocean, right? And if I told you $50,000 is yours, here's the keys. How many would be interested in that? 
I know Kurt's a real to you guys, so Kurt's like, yeah, yeah, I can make a profit on that. But you know what? Wouldn't you want to go and at least start the car, make sure that it starts? What good is having a car if it doesn't start? What if you went to that car and you opened up the hood and all you see is the pavement to the street? All right? What if you went to that house and you got the keys, you're excited, you open it, all you see is dirt on the ground and you see the back of the brick and nothing else? I mentioned that because that's how God looks at us. And through this story, we're going to see that human nature programs us to look at things in the outward appearance. But what God is interested is, it's what's on the inside. Let's go with the text. Chapter 16, verse 1. Now, I want to read verse 1 in the Message Translation Bible, because I like the way God addresses Samuel. And God says, Samuel, how long are you going to mope over Saul? You know I've rejected Saul as king over Israel. Fill your flask with anointing oil and get going. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I've spotted the very king I want among his sons. Now look at Samuel's response. I can't do that. How many of us are in that position right now? God's called you. God's called me. And we're frozen in our tracks. Say, I I can't do that. Now, Samuel's in a place of fear. He's scared for his life. But the truth of the matter is, if God is commissioning Samuel... If God is commissioning you and me, what are we afraid of? So the Lord is sensitive to the way Samuel's feeling, and he tells him, All right, take a heifer with you for a sacrifice and invite Jesse and his sons to the sacrifice. A heifer, I looked it up, it's a red cow. I don't know about you, I've never seen a red cow in my life. But that's what it was that they used to use as a sacrifice. So Samuel goes and follows the instruction of the Lord. And just like Bishop shared last week, he gets to Jesse's house. He consecrates Jesse and his sons. And Samuel begins to seek out to see who is the one that the Lord spotted to be king. So all the sons come by. And then Samuel sees the first one, Eliab, who is the eldest. And the minute he sees him, look what Samuel says. He says, he sees the eldest son and he sees him and he says, here he is. This is the one for sure. But God tells him, looks aren't everything. 
Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. See, God judges persons differently than we, we do. We look at the outward appearance. God looks at the inward appearance. Now, both in the New and the Old Testament, the word heart refers to the center of an individual's mental, emotional, and spiritual being. It's the innermost part of man. The heart reflects the whole person. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now in verse 7 of 1 Samuel, after seeing all the sons present, the Lord says, it's none of them. So and then Samuel says to Jesse, are all your sons here? And Jesse goes, oh yeah, there's one more. He's minding the sheep in the field. So Samuel tells him, bring him here. We won't proceed until he's here. Now verses 12 to 13 of chapter 16. Verse 12 says, so he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is the one. Verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now, it says that he was ruddy. Okay, he had bright eyes and good looking. The physical description of David tells us that he was of fair complexion. And this is probably... Meaning the word, the meaning of the word ruddy, a light complexion was very popular during that culture of that time. And it says that his bright eyes, which spoke of his vitality and intelligence. And he was good looking too. But David had a pleasant appearance, but he did not look like Saul. Back in chapter 9 of Saul, of Samuel, it said that Saul, who was a choice and handsome young man, there was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. David looked nice, but you didn't look at him and say, this is a born leader. This is the next king of Israel. Now, when they saw Saul, that's what they said. Yes, that's who we want as our king. You see, Saul was the king of the people. The people of Israel were crying out for a king. But God was their king and their deliverer. But they kept hounding Samuel, we want a king, we want a king. So the Lord says, they, they want a king, we give him Saul. He's the king. He was the choice of the people. David was chosen by God. Now the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. David's seven brothers, by all outward appearance, seemed to be the better material for royalty. But David, as unlikely as he was, was the one. It is strange that the king of Israel 
was found in a sheepfold, minding sheep. However, even more strange is that our Savior was found in a carpenter's shop in Jesus. You know, it's pretty amazing because as you go through the text, the correlation between, you know, David, Jesus out of the lineage of David. And as we go on, I, I found it interesting that um, I remember, remember when Jesus was a, a, just a teenager and he was ministering in the temple, right? And Mary and Joseph were looking all over for him, right? And uh, when they finally found him, he said, you know, they were wondering, they asked him, where were you? And he says, don't you know I'm about my father's business? This is a young man. He was ministering in the synagogue. And that's why he told them. Keep that in mind because I'm going to reference that later when we encounter um, David's brothers. Listen to a quote. Well, actually, 1 Samuel 13, 14. The Lord... It says, God described what made David special in 1 Samuel 13, 14. It says, the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. What made David the one was that he was a man after God's own heart. Listen to this quote by a theologian, Baptist preacher back in the 1800s, Charles Spurgeon. And I quote, he says, minding the sheep was a servant's job. David was none of your strutting peacocks who cannot be content unless all eyes are upon them. He sang God praises as the nightingale will sing in the dark with no human ear is where no human ear is listening and no eye is admiring. He was content to bloom unseen knowing that the sweetness of a renewed heart is never wasted on a desert air. He was satisfied with God alone as his auditor, and he coveted not the high opinion of man. You see, David was faithful in what God called him to do. He was fully content getting up early in the morning, going out and minding those sheep, watching the sun rise until the sun set. Him, the sheep, and him along with God. Praising God, admiring his creation. No wonder he was an amazing psalmist. Now in chapter 16, verse 14, we see that, that the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Verse 13. As the Spirit of the Lord came upon David, a distressing spirit came to Saul and troubled him. Now, interesting. If God is all good, right? Why did he send a distressing spirit upon Saul? There are two senses. In which God may send something. He may send something in the active sense. Or in a passive sense. 
Let me explain. He may send something. God actively, God never initiates or performs evil. It's impossible. It's not in his DNA. But what God does in the passive sense is that he removes his hand of protection when we refuse him. And then evil comes upon the individual without it being God, without God being the source of it. Look at what James 1.17 says. It says, He is the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God is the same yesterday, now, and forever. He is a loving God and a caring God. Evil does not come from the Lord. God does not, did not cause the coronavirus to come upon us as a nation because it's affecting the whole nation. Now the heart of the message, 1 Samuel chapter 17. David, the true warrior. Now, instead of a full-out war, Goliath challenges the children of Israel to send out one person who will battle against him. Now, Goliath is symbolic to the enemy. Goliath, they say, was a big giant. Some scholars say he's about nine feet tall. And for 40 days, again, something symbolic, for 40 days, he would come out and say the same thing and challenge the children of Israel. And he said, send someone out. Send out one person who will battle against me one on one and whoever wins if we win we will serve you but if I win you become our servants so the children of Israel and the army were frightened they did not know what to do they didn't want to battle and they certainly were too scared to fight one on one with Goliath now a young David was not involved in a war at the time, but was sent by his father, again obeying his instructions of his father. His father, Jesse, sends him to deliver food to his three brothers who were part of the Israeli army. Right? And when the young David got to them and saluted them, Goliath got up and spoke again on the 40th day to the audience of all the Israelites, and this time, young David heard his words. For 40 days, he made the challenge, day and night. Now, David understood the covenant of God with his people. David became upset. Look what David says. David says, and our circumcised Philistine would speak against the Lord and against God's people in such a savage manner. The young David was ready to challenge the Philistine champion. So David petitions 
to challenge, to fight against Goliath. Now, I want to go, let's remember 1 Samuel 16 last week, verse 18. I'm going to read it. And as, see, David's peers knew who David was. Look what he, in verse uh, 18 says in chapter 16. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, a Bethlehemite, who is skillful in plain, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Now, obviously, this young man has seen David perform great exploits. And you will see David's petition to Saul to let him fight Goliath because he says, I encountered a bear and I destroyed him. I encountered a lion and I destroyed them. Who is Goliath but nothing? He says, especially when the Lord is on my side. Listen, it doesn't matter what giants you are facing in your life. You got to know who you are in Christ. You got to know that we serve a covenant-keeping God that says that he would never leave us nor forsake us. So it doesn't matter that giant in your life that, that you continue to bypass, you're afraid to go through. If God is commissioning you, if God is commissioning me, then we need to move forward and trust him. Now, King Saul denied his petition, but David continues telling Saul his credentials. That he once fought and defeated a bear, he also defeated a lion, and Goliath would be nothing against him. Especially with God being on his side. So Saul signs off on the deal. See, we need to be a light in the midst of darkness. There's a lot of fear, people in fear right now over this virus that's going around not knowing what to do. We need to be the calm in the storm as representatives of Christ. This is a great opportunity for us to share the gospel, to share the love of God. I really believe, to be honest with you, I really believe that this is a pause and God works what the enemy has worked for, meant for evil. He turns it for good. And this is an opportunity for people to reflect and examine their mortality. Where are they now when it comes to God? It's amazing how you could deny God. You live life as you can. But when you get stripped of all the pleasures and, you know, I'm a sports guy. Sports is gone. Every single, uh, you know, I mean, night. I used to live for sports. I worked, and after work, sports. I mean, ESPN was like hours, game after game, sport after sport. My dad, I went to see him the other day. Poor guy's retired. He goes, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know? But the truth of the matter is, it's an opportunity for us to really reflect and see what's important. That's all temporary. 
what's eternal? That's the question. Now, David, this is amazing, approaches Goliath. I love this. And Goliath became very upset and disrespected. Can imagine that? That Israel was sent a boy out to fight a grown warrior. And while he was mouthing off, right, about the disrespect and how he will have the birds eating David's body, David takes the stone and the sling while running full speed ahead against Goliath, knowing who goes before him, right? And he takes the sling right in the middle of Goliath's words and he flings the stone and it crushes Goliath in the forehead. The champ goes down. They say he was the champion warrior, never defeated. He went down by one single stone. The champ fell on his face and David had no sword, but he took Goliath's sword. He's a bad dude. Took Goliath's sword and he went over him and cut his head off. The world was shocked for the moment. Young David had done what Saul's entire military was scared to do. That's the warrior in King David. What does that tell us? That tells us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That doesn't matter what you encounter. It doesn't matter what you're going through. We need to keep our faith and trust in God. And when you, when, when you keep your faith and trust in God, God will show himself strong. I want to read this. 1 Samuel 17, verses 38 to 54. It says, Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat, with a coat of mail, which is the, it's like a whole gear. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, "I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them." So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the in a shepherd's pouch his sling in his hand and he approached the Philistine the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his sheared shield bearer in front of him and when the Philistine looked and saw David he disdained him for he was but a youth ruddy and handsome in appearance and the Philistine said to David am I a dog that you come to me with sticks and the Philistine cursed David by his gods, okay, demonic gods, that is. The Philistine said to David, come to me, and I will give you, I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Now, the battle is not against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities and powers in the air, in high places. Demonic. This is, Goliath symbolizes the demonic entities. Right? And it says, and you come to me with, with a sword. And, and then David says to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. 
This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines to this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. He, didn't, he, went, he, he went from just killing the Goliath to killing all the Philistines. Taking them all out. And he says he's going to feed them to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves with the sword, not with a sword and a spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. The battle is the Lord's, folks. Not yours. It's the only fight that you are going to encounter that you know the end result if you really believe who you are in Christ. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in his hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sleet and killed him and cut his head off. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Bunch of cowards. A little boy, scared of a little boy. Not a little boy anymore. A warrior in Christ. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. So that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Sherim and as far as Gath and Ekron. And the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines. They plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. What are the giants that are standing in your way? From pursuing God wholeheartedly. Like David, we need to realize that the battle is the Lord's. And all we have to do is step forward and believe and trust God. For God goes before us. Nothing can be against us. David understood his covenant keeping God. He understood El Gibor, the Lord our champion. That's who Jesus was. Now, I want to focus on this. What was it in David that characterizes him as having a man after God's own heart? I want to highlight 10 quick, quickly, 10 characteristics. Write them down, because I'm write them down so you can look at it, look them up yourself. But Ten characteristics that exemplify David having a heart after God's own heart. Number one, David was faithful in small things. Don't despise small beginnings. Be faithful in the little things God calls you to do. Because in doing so, just like David, he minded the sheep. A job not too pleasant, not a clean job. Sunshine. Inclement weather, he was faithful and in fulfilling his duty. 
Because he was faithful, God would entrust him with greater things. He took care of Jesse's sheep, and God knew that he could trust him with his sheep, the children of Israel. Characteristic number two, David was a man after God's heart. He desired to do God's will in everything he did, which is beautifully illustrated in another one of his psalms. Psalms 24, verses 3 and 5 says, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is how David built his courage. This is how David got to know who God was. David spent time in intimate time with God. When he was in the field, he was spending time in intimacy with God. He knew who God was. They're telling me, shut up. Verse 3, characteristic number 3, David had a believing heart. Psalms 14, verse 1, Psalms 53, verse 1. And he said, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So anyone who denied this reality of God was a fool. Characteristic number 4, David had a thankful heart. A heart totally overwhelmed by God's love and provision. Where is your confidence? Who is your provider? Who is the one that you're going to trust? Psalm 15, verse 1 and 3. O Lord, who shall shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does not and does what is right. And speaks the truth in his heart. Who does not slander with his tongue and does not, and does no evil to his neighbor. Nor takes up a reproach against his friend. Characteristic number six. David had an open heart. See, David knew God was his omniscient God. He didn't try to hide from an, all-know- hide from an all-knowing God. David knew that wherever he went, God was present. We see that in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Amazing. Poetic. Characteristic number seven. David had an expectant heart. David trusted God to meet his needs. Psalm 37, 4 and 5 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. David trusted and the Lord acted on his behalf. Number eight, David had a heart that remembered God's law. Because David wanted to do God's will in all the, in all things. In Psalm 48, he says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. 
Characteristic number nine, David had a sorrowful heart. See, when David sinned, he had true remorse. That was the difference between David and Saul. When David got confronted with sin, he repented. You might say, oh, Saul repented too, but he only repented when he got caught. David said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Psalm 51, verse 17. Characteristic number 10, David had a humble heart. David knew his limitations. He viewed himself, his view of himself was against his view of God, of God's greatness. See, David knew that he had strengths, but he also knew he had great weaknesses. Psalm 131 verse 1 says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great or too marvelous for me. As I close, we must constantly and consistently guard our hearts against deceitful influences, particularly as we grow older. We are often vulnerable to pride and arrogance when we have a weak self-image and feel insecure about who we really are. We must be careful when we select people for significant roles in leadership. That's why we're not quick to do things here. You start off small things. God might give you a vision of the future, but it starts off with faithfulness in small beginnings. External appearances can be deceiving. Don't misunderstand. Saul was not all bad. And David was not all good. They were like us. They both are human beings with human weaknesses. The difference lay in their life's focus. They both had the same potential. But Saul more and more followed his egocentric desires. David, especially in his early life, earnestly followed God and his ways. In his later years, even when he failed God miserably, as you will see as we go on in this series. However, he always turned back to the Lord. Now, a few questions that I should have asked in the beginning, but I'll say I'm going to ask them now and just reflect upon them. How do you view our covenant keeping God in your life. Are you still dwelling on your past? Where is your heart's passion? What are you focusing on? Is fear stopping you from taking the next step? Do you believe you can overcome the giants in your life?
We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.